0: Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. This is Jim Murio filling in for Dan. And our next guest is Stephen Eide, who's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributing editor of the City Journal. Thanks for joining us, Stephen.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Okay, I just,
0: I read one of your articles about Medicaid's IMD exclusion and the case for repeal. I I get it. I, I think I get it. Um, can you talk to it a little bit and why you what you think the takeaway is for repealing this?
1: So in the wake of many mental illness-related spectacular tragedies, such as mass shootings, for example, oftentimes the question comes up, why wasn't this person in a mental hospital? Wouldn't that have been the more humane thing to do? Um, But it turns out from a policy perspective, it's a little bit complicated figuring out to kind of clear more access to inpatient mental health care. And one of the barriers that I think a lot of people don't realize is Medicaid. Medicaid is set up to fund community-based or outpatient mental health services. It doesn't – it's not set up to fund – uh, inpatient care in a specialized, standalone psychiatric facility. So my report argues for repealing that what we call the IMD exclusion, which prevents Medicaid from funding that type of intensive inpatient mental health care that clearly so many people um, who've been involved in these spectacular tragedies need and are not getting.
0: So, okay, this is interesting. Now, was there a time where, where there was more inpatient treatment, and what led to where we are now?
1: Yeah, you know, you can put it this way: Like, what is our public mental health care system? What does the government do for you if you have a mental disorder and you need care or treatment? Well, generations ago, the answer to that question was simple: a bed in a mental institution. A mental institutions comprise practically the entire public mental health care system. Um, but for various reasons, government decided to get out of the mental institution business, beginning, beginning around the, the the middle of the 20th century. Um, and but the question that, that people have been debating. For a while now, is whether or not it went too far. You know, whether or not we overlearned the lesson of excessive use of mental institutions. And in light of the crisis with um, mass shootings, with homelessness, with so many seriously mentally ill people behind behind bars and jails and prison, I, I'm of the view certainly that the pendulum has swung way too far, and we really need to think about a, a appropriate use of mental hospitals for the people who need it.
0: So, when we moved from that, you said the, around the middle of the 20th century. Um, my guess, and you can probably fill this in. My guess is that the optic of it, you know, that, I mean, I know it was featured in in movies where they, you know, showed scenes in mental hospitals, and it, it just the look looked terrible to the public, right? And we moved away from it, despite the fact that in some cases it was the proper course of action, right?
1: Well, it was a very – the mental institutions had a number of problems. First of all, they had become kind of a dumping ground. There were a lot of sort of old people with senility, people with alcoholism. Sometimes, to some extent, there was people who just didn't didn't fit in. There was a way in which they were overused, and so we built – a lot of programs, as we phase down the mental institutions to address to, to serve the, this population that used to be crowded into these um, these places. so a good example is, is old people the nursing nursing homes did not exist in nearly the abundance that they do now. Um, when we had mental institutions, so again, because of the financing structure, states were allowed were in a, in a position to build lots of new programs they didn't have before. Some of which worked, a lot of which did not help the people who have the most serious needs, such as people with schizophrenia and violent tendencies. And that's a problem. Problem we're dealing with now.
0: Do you have some? Do you have hope that this is going to to catch momentum and that we could possibly seeing really. Uh, real you know changes to the system that allow for the people to get the care they need
1: well, I think you know there w- in the second Obama term there was some positive momentum on the mental health care front, mostly in response to the school shootings, especially the 2012 uh, shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. Congress did a real deep dive into the problems with our public mental health care system, um, and it was able to enact some serious reforms. They did not enact this reform that I'm calling for, the repeal of the IMD exclusion, though they seriously considered it, and a number of prominent Democrats are on the record saying they support this, including, this is also, this is for example, something that Kamala Harris, current Vice President Kamala Harris, supported in her 2020 campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination. So, you know, some of the kind of political infrastructure appeals to be there. Um, so that's what I'm placing my hopes on, that we can finally put this across the, um, the finish line after many, many years of debate.
0: Okay, we have only 40 seconds left. Do you think that this is a more timely conversation considering the isolation over the last year? Do you, have you done any research on that? Do you know anyone who has?
1: Well, I'm what my issue is is like schizophrenia. I know people are upset about the lockdowns. There are a lot of unhappy kids, a lot of serious problems arising. But we need to raise the focus on problems like schizophrenia, homelessness, and not let those be crowded out with all the many very legitimate criticisms that are being levied against the lockdowns.
0: No, I, I, actually, that's not the answer I expected, and I thought that was very, very interesting and thoughtful, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, we've been talking to Stephen Eide. Uh, this is the Dan Prof Show, and I'm Jim Muriel sitting in for Dan.
1: The Dan Prof Show.
0: Welcome back to The Dan Prof Show. This is Jim Uriel filling in for Dan, and I'm speaking to Stephen Ide, who's senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and contributing editor of the City Journal. And he wrote an article about Medicaid's IMD uh, exclusions and basically what the gist of it is, is over the last uh, 50 to 70 years in our country, we've moved away from inpatient uh, medical care, the you know, so-called mental institution, to more of a you know outpatient model, and which is not obviously not very appropriate for anyone. The last question I asked him about was the instances of isolation uh, that have happened over the last year because of the pandemic and the reaction to the pandemic. And you were making some interesting points about it being a different thing. Can you continue with that, Stephen?
1: Yeah, well, you know... So there's a spectrum of mental disorders that could qualify as, you know, as a mental disorder or a mental illness. I mean, from from schizophrenia to, um, you know, just anxiety, mild forms of depression. Um, I think when you're talking about the lockdowns, the impact on school children, for example, those are serious problems that families are grappling with. But it's not something that really needs most effectively, I would say, a mental health response. You just need to lift the lockdowns or talk about having, you know, when is when? Is the earliest stage in which, which we can lift the lockdowns. If someone is depressed over having lost their job, um, do they need the services of a the therapist? Well, maybe. But what they really need is, you know, is another job. People with What we call untreated serious mental illness. Serious mental illness is like is is schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, something that afflicts only about four to five percent of the adult population, but a population who contribute disproportionately to problems like homelessness and incarceration. Those really need a medical intervention. We're not just talking about like. I mean, you know, we want to help them live a better life, but we really need to be talking about things like, you know, medications and hospitals at the forefront of that treatment regimen. And so I tend to look at, these problems as pretty different, especially because many politicians over the years have essentially proposed, well, the way that we address schizophrenia, you know, we don't want to talk about hospitals, let's provide more therapists to help bullied school children in schools. Well, maybe, you know, addressing bullied school children in schools is a good idea, but that is going to have nothing to do in terms of our ability to address untreated schizophrenia. So I really tend to get a little bit finicky in terms of trying to parse these different problems, though people have many serious issues with both of them.
0: I like that answer a lot. And it, it, like I said, it caught me off guard because I didn't. But I will push back and see if you, uh, to speak to one thing. Now, the way you're saying it, schizophrenia, untreated schizophrenia, it seemed very, like very much a black and white issue the way you were saying it. Are there people who like their levels of mental illness? There's, you know, somewhat of a gradient scale. And, trauma or uh something like a lockdown and again i don't mean to be just going back to this but it's something that i think would be interesting to the listeners here is there some people who can be triggered and could it make people it could it push them and hurry them along the line of schizophrenia and and st- you know what i mean you know what i'm trying to get at here like does it make a could it make yeah. a, a mild problem bad
1: Yes, I mean anybody who who has uh, you know an adult relative like an adult son for example with schizophrenia is going to want to put them in a um, you know a healthy environment. You don't want to expose them to the streets or jails or something like that. Absolutely, I mean those triggers are real. But you know if you if you're the, the problem is like these are uncomfortable problems. Okay, these are like really painful situations to talk about, and we have to talk about, for example, taking away people's civil liberties. And it happens to be the case that many politicians just don't want to have those conversations. Right. They like the idea of, like, you know, if you just give everybody a therapist and give them access to a kind of like an art and music program, well, then, you know, the cloud will lift. And that that's not going to work. That might work for some people, but with some people, you really need to be talking about, you know, more serious interventions, such as hospitalization. We've been trying to kind of build out a System and avoid confronting the hard problems, and so um, that's uh, you know it's 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 a solution that we really need to re- we really need to be focused on. We really need to parse these things. Okay, so there
0: is an, another question I had um, that slipped my mind. Oh, you about the politics of this. Um, so you you mentioned before that um, Vice President Kamala Harris was was for this. When I look at it, and normally I can look at an issue and I can get a pretty good guess as to which political side is going to side with each this one I can't really is there a political element to this
1: well, it, cost, it, it would cost a lot of money. I mean, Medicaid is a very expensive program that people have been desperately trying to contain the costs of for a long time. So, an in, inpatient hospitalization is definitely very expensive. That was one of the big reasons why states blew up the old um, mental institution system. It was just ex, it wasn't working, and it was also just busting state budgets. Well, Medicaid is a you know is a budget buster in, in our own day. So that is definitely a concern on the conservative Republican side. On the progressive side, you. Find Find more of the sort of civil liberties types concerns, that this is going to lead to a mass reinstitutionalization, a return to the old days of the mental institutions. I think that's completely unrealistic. It's, it's just kind of, it's kind of scare tactic stuff. Um, so, And I think that's ultimately the bigger barrier um, than the fiscal barrier.
0: So you you talked about something a couple of minutes ago, which I think is going to be a sticking point, the, the messiness of having someone committed. Um, you know, it's, it's gotta be, it's probably one of the most traumatic events that could happen in a family's life. And I speak a little bit, um, from firsthand, um, on this issue. And I don't think, I, I, I worry that that's going to stand in the way because people don't just, it's like almost like running away from the real problem and the government's not going to want to get in the way. The police don't want to be involved in that. Is this a big worry to you? Of course. Right.
1: The over, the overuse of civil commitment.
0: Yes. Um or just the just the messiness of civil commitment, just the fact that it 's an ugly time to commit someone against their yeah. will and it's it 's difficult to do
1: um, yeah it 's a very um solemn it 's a very serious power that we give government because we 're talking about people uh, who have not committed a crime um, their their only problem is that they're sick and they 're not getting treatment, and this is the only way to provide them with this type of treatment so and there were certainly many abuses in the past. Um, but you know what we've been trying for many many years to provide people with treatment in these these community settings, and that has worked for many many people. But there is a certain subset of the population um, who keeps falling through the cracks, who is who are not going to function in a community um, services oriented system, and so. You know, I, at some level, if, assuming we have the type of guardrails in place, and I think we do, um, we need to be talking about expanding this type of care. I
0: only have about 10 more seconds, but a final thought: How can we help? Is it just a question of petitioning our politicians?
1: Yes, I would say, and just focus focusing on this issue of untreated serious mental illness.
0: I, I, I so appreciate that, and thank you very much for taking up that mantle and running with it, because more people should. I think it's an enormous problem in this country. Thanks for having us. That was Stephen Eide, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and contributing editor of the city journal. This is the Dan Prof show. And this is Jim Muriel sitting in for Dan.
1: You can never surrender. And if your path won't lead you home, you can never surrender. Listen to podcast of the show at danprofshow.com.